What's up? What's up? What's up? Snap survivors. I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, virtual group therapy for everyone affected by Tony Stark's Snap. This is as good as time as any to tell you that parental discretion is advised when listening to After the Snap. I say some real fucked up shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today is Tuesday, so you know what that means. You're right. It's yet another episode of After the Snap, and yet another time you'll be hearing me say thank you. Thank you, thank you for joining me once again. You'll also hear me for the umpteenth time say, hey, if this is your first time to the show, welcome to the show. Welcome to the party. Kick your shoes off kick back enjoy yourself today today i am imploring jedi masters out there all the jedi masters make me a jedi make me a person who does not star wars make me a jedi and then on the back end we will talk about uh the first three x-men films i'll just throw that in too why not It's going to be a big ass throwback episode. Everything is throwback. I'm not even going to tell you any news. No news. Nope. Because news would put us firmly in 2019. And I want to kick it. I want to hang out in the 1999, early 2000 era. Cash money records taking over for the nine nine in the two thousand. That's where we are going to kick it today. Why not? Let's just jump this whole thing off with the movie that I got into this week for the for the uh, Star Wars segment of this show. All right, so the I made this the the executive decision to go in the numerical order so not the release order but the order that the movies come in chronologically and that means that I jumped everything off in uh, in 1999 so in 1999 we got The Phantom Menace and of course it was released May 19th, 1999, the director was George Lucas, creator, George Lucas, the writer, George Lucas. The box office said, here, George Lucas, here's $1 billion for your trouble. So lots of money. And that $1 billion was on a $115 million budget. So go figure, put that with the rest, George. Uh, The runtime was two hours and 16 minutes minutes for this movie Uh, let me see what else I got for facts about this movie nothing I got nothing else so now we just really get into I guess I could tell you a description of the movie in case you don't Star Wars either I hate the fact that I read the description of the movie because 
like the little synopsis gave way too much information. So I'm going to read it to you to fuck your life up as well. You know what? I'm not going to fuck your life up. It wouldn't be fair. I was mad that I actually read too much. Um, This film is set 32 years before the original film and follows uh, Jedi Knight Qui-Gon Jinn and his apprentice Obi-Wan Kenobi as they protect Queen Amidala in hopes of securing a peaceful end to a large-scale interplanetary trade dispute. Joined by Anakin Skywalker, a young slave with unusually strong natural powers of the Force, they simultaneously contend with the mysterious return of the Sith. That is better than what I read, because what I read just, just like hit you in the jaw with freaking spoilers. I mean, and of course you can't have spoilers for a movie that's fucking 20 years old. However, I was really upset because I have literally almost for this whole time stayed away from key plot points to Star Wars. And it's not because I intentionally stayed away from them. They just weren't hitting me like that. And then the minute I decide to get into this franchise, here I get smacked in the face with a fucking spoiler that kind of, it kind of ruined what would have been a surprise for me moving forward. And, and I didn't like that. So now I know something that I, I really wish I didn't know. If that makes sense. I'm not, no, don't you start that fucking music. But anyway. So, The Phantom Menace. What were my, what was my thinking? You know, I've got some prepared notes. I'm going to go ahead on and I'm going to go to the prepared notes. But here lately, I've been trying to streamline shit and go mostly off of my notes and kind of not freestyle so much. I'm not sure I like the way that sounds. I kind of like it better when I'm kind of more relaxed. So I will kind of come off my notes, but I'm also going to give you a whole hell of a lot more of me just off the cuff talking because that's really what this started as. And you know, I have to experiment with different things and that fucking script was one of them and also the not cursing thing. So the cursing or the not cursing and that script, those were two things that I experimented with. And guess what? Fuck both of them. I don't like them. But because I have a jumbled mind and, and I, that's a whole different episode for a whole different day about why I currently unmedicated. So I don't think in a straight line. I think all over the fucking place. But that's neither here nor there. What I need to be talking about, see how things go, see how I can easily get off track. What I need to be talking about is the Phantom Menace and my thoughts. And initially, I thought to myself, self, this is going to be a chore. It's going to be a chore because the pacing is a bit different. So I'm kind of used to the Star Trek movies. And if you're not a Trekkie, you probably feel the same way about Star Trek movies that I feel about Star Wars movie. It felt like I'm I'm seeing a bunch of strangers here. I have to figure out who is who. And who do I want to hang out with in this group? Do I want to, you know, hang out with Queen Amidala? She seems a bit stuffy and uptight. Do I want to hang out with uh, Anakin, Anakin Skywalker? Well, all this whole being a slave thing does not fit well with me. Thank you. Do I want to hang out with Kwai 
gone gin. And that was kind of a yes. That was kind of a, you know what? I like him. I like that character. Yes, I would like to see what he's up to. And thank goodness the movie decided that that's who I was going to hang out with anyway. Because, yeah, I don't know how I would have reacted being a slave. IHOP. IHOP has these churro pancakes. That's what I'm eating for dinner. So, yeah, my food had just arrived. And I'm going to eat. But, boy, these pancakes are just divine. But, anyway, going back to The Phantom Menace. So anyway, on the screen crawl that goes up on the Star Wars movies, I forgot that those were a thing. Took me a minute to read it, but I uh, I finally, you know, got past it all. Let me put, put my pancakes down for a minute. Then I had to still, like, look it up to see exactly what it says. And it says, turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the Guardians of Peace, and justice in the in the galaxy to settle the conflict. Had I only remembered th- that it was going to give me this much information anyway, I would not have had to even look for information, but I didn't remember. But I'll know now, the next movie, I'm not looking up any information on. I'm just going to go in cold as I am because I know nothing about the next movie. Nothing. Uh, I'm going to go in as cold as I can and I'm going to watch without looking anything up at least until after i've watched the movie but anyway the things i liked the most about the phantom menace was the lightsaber fight between obi-wan kenobi qui-gon and darth maul Uh, the underwater scenes the senate auditorium was dope i love the way they had all the center and it was like huge and all the senators are or just all around in this whole like coliseum looking thingy. It was dope. Uh, Jake Lloyd was the cutest kid ever. And I mentioned that to James from, from Ada Geeks. And he was like, it's a shame what happened to him. And I'm like, I don't know what happened to him. So I'm gonna have to look that up. <laughs> and one, the last thing that I really, really liked, and I mean, I'm amidst a lot of other things, was how Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman really, really look like doppelgangers. They look like they could be decoys for one another. And I thought, too, I never had reason to think about how those two kind of look alike until seeing them in this movie. So that was a good thing. So yes, I was, I guess the first, say, 15 minutes, I was like, okay, yes, into it. And then something happened, and I think I started nodding off, like in probably the middle 30 minutes or so the last hour I was focused I was definitely 100% focused in that last hour but I think the first half hour was okay to me and that whole last hour was great 
something happened in the middle and I really believe I fell asleep. So I've got it. I, I own the movie now. So I will be watching it again. And that brings me to things I didn't like and really didn't want to see again. The number one thing that I did not like about this movie was Jar Jar Binks. The second thing that I didn't like about this movie was Jar Jar Binks people. The third thing that really got under my skin about this movie is whoever thought of the character of Jar Jar Binks. And last but not least, Natalie Portman was a little dry. So I can kind of see the Thor complaints a little bit better now, now that I've seen her play this same kind of dry role in another movie. So... Okay, Natalie. Yeah, give us some personality. I'm not saying be all smiley. You know, as females, we hear that enough. Smile. No, no, no. You just made me want more pancakes. So yeah, these pancakes from IHOP, the churro ones that I was telling you about earlier, they actually have little pieces of Little pieces of mini churros on them. And they are so delicious. This is like a dessert. This is not even supposed to be like seriously trying to eat something for dinner. It yes. I'm one of those weirdos who eats breakfast for dinner. I eat breakfast all day. All day long. These are divine. You really need to try. You really need to try these if you haven't. Churro pancakes. Now, this whole Jar Jar Binks thing, I can't act like I was surprised because that's one thing that I could not hide from uh, in the news back in 1999 was this very controversial character, Jar Jar Binks. But of course, because I didn't Star Wars then, and I'm not sure I Star Wars now, Jar Jar didn't mean a whole lot to me. It was like, Nope, I didn't care. I cared, but I didn't care. The internet wasn't as huge a deal as it is now, you know? So it wasn't like I'm just like going straight to the internet as soon as I heard the name Jar Jar Binks. So, again, I can say that I was uh, I, I was on the periphery of knowing what a Jar Jar Binks was. This introduction to Jar Jar Binks was kind of rather brash it was it was too much too soon who knew that the very first movie that i put in would have this flagrant i can't say it's flagrant no would have this character that is uh offensive in a few ways first of all it was just stupid he's just a stupid character at first period but second, it's kind of offensive, you know, because if you really think about back in the day, long before me even, they would have cartoons where they would depict African-American people and they'd be doing that talk. Yes, a master. I get it for you. Yes, yeah, shucking and jiving and, and that type of thing. And uh, that kind of went away. <laughs> <laughs> and to have this character that kind of is doing this very thing, this cooning, 
you know, but I had to like, okay, Tasha, this is not what they were going for. They were, they were not going for cooning. So take a deep breath and get through this movie. And that's what I did. And for the most part, for the most part, I enjoyed the movie. I knew Jar Jar, like I said, I knew Jar Jar was coming. (laughs) I wasn't expecting it to be so soon, but I knew he would be here. There are a lot more things that I can say about him, but I'm sure most people have heard just about everything that could be said, and they heard it 20 years ago. And, uh, yeah, so Jar Jar is not going to ever be a favorite character. I will not be buying the Jar Jar action figure or the hot toy or whatever they have. Jar Jar is not my favorite character. However, like I said, Qui-Gon is or was was my favorite character in this movie and the irony of this thing is I also watched this movie almost 20 years to the day that tickets were available for pre-sale back in 1999 and overall I did like the movie didn't love it if this is a ground level to these characters it wasn't important that I fell in love with them all immediately Um, except for Qui-Gon I wish I wish I were more attached to the character so his death would have meant more to me. I guess it's kind of like taking somebody to see Avengers Endgame who hasn't seen the rest of the movies. You know, those deaths didn't mean an awful lot to them. And because they were they were not invested in any of those characters. And that's how I felt with uh, Qui-Gon's death. I knew that I should be feeling something, but I just wasn't. And, but I did, you know, like when Darth Maul hit him in the chin and then stabbed him, I was, the first thing was like, oh shit, he caught you slipping dog. <laughs> but as far as like, uh, that sinking feeling that I got when, uh, Black Widow went over the edge of, of the precipice in Avengers Endgame, I didn't get that feeling. And I, I wish that I did because I feel so inhuman for not having that type of reaction to this person as he was dying and he's like he's telling obi-wan kenobi as he's dying to make sure that he trains this little devil anakin skywalker of course i've heard the name anakin skywalker and of course i kind of had a clue who he was but you know i got slapped in the face with it but anyway so little anakin skywalker the dying wish of Qui-Gon was that Obi-Wan Kenobi trained him to be a Jedi warrior and Yoda just said you know what go ahead because you know Qui-Gon Qui-Gon gonna make make us feel bad by dying and making this his dying wish so yeah so we knew that uh at some point we would meet Anakin and we met him in this here movie uh as he was a slave in his home world and and he one basically a pod race that basically a Qui-Gon bet the farm on him and he won and there thus he was freed from his slavery and you know he thinks he thinks he's going to get trained to be a Jedi warrior but the character that is played by Samuel L. Jackson and I don't think I got the name of that character at all in this movie and Yoda who I knew from back in 1970. 
seven or so when I did a little bit Star Wars then when I was a little girl, but I don't Star Wars anymore. So I do remember Yoda, but I don't know the character that Samuel L. Jackson played. Those two was like, no, nah, this, this, nope, something's wrong. Something wrong with this kid. You can throw him in the bad bin. Something wrong with him. But you know, Qui-Gon is very, very adamant that he wants this kid to be trained. I guess what I'm setting myself up for for the next movie is, uh, oh shit, I forgot what the next movie is. Wait a minute. (laughs) Okay, yeah, next up is Attack of the Clones. Because, you know, James was very nice. He was nice enough to send me the chronology, the order in which to watch the movies, the uh, animated series, uh, all of that stuff. He gave me the precise order to watch it in, but he kept on changing it on me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to let you go ahead and think about it for a minute, and then I will just copy and paste the the last edit of your list into my notes. And guess what I didn't do? That's right. I did not copy and paste it into my notes. I just read it and kept it moving. So, yeah, I'm still eating these pancakes. They're so delicious. Gosh. Mukbang style, huh? Oh, I just interrupted myself. But yes, these this is going to be mukbang style. So anything, anyway, my final thoughts on The Phantom Menace are that it was a decent movie. It was a decent introduction to uh, some of the characters and some of the plot for me. But I must say, I still do not Star Wars. So I'm not there yet. But of course, it's the first movie. We've got plenty more movies and uh, television to go through before I can say yay or nay. I'm definitely a Star Wars or I don't. But this one will get three out of five lightsabers for me it was like i say it was a good introduction for me Uh, for people who had already seen the original trilogy and then had to backtrack and remember because let me let me rephrase that for people who had already seen the original trilogy remembered it remembered it watched it and, and visited it over and over again over all of those years and then go back or forward sorry go forward and watch the this movie that's supposed to be before it i don't know how that would must have felt to the fans of star wars going back and getting the prequel to me i don't remember a whole lot about the movies i remember some but i don't remember an awful lot because I can say I may have seen the movies five or six, seven times when I was very, very young. And you're talking now I'm 46 years old. So, hell, I don't remember this shit. (laughs) I've probably forgotten more movies than a lot of people have watched. Because it's been been a long time and I did used to, you know, outside of reading, I was a little TV freak. I was sitting in front of the TV and just binge. And sometimes it would be on TV. So... Who knows? I don't remember a whole lot of it. I remember R2-D2 and C-3PO. And then I see C-3PO is just in little pieces. And R2-D2 is hanging out with Anakin. But C-3PO don't look like the C-3PO that I remember 
from back in the day. They haven't finished picking, putting him together or whatever. It's crazy to see him before he is finished. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, that, those are my feelings. I'm still not a, I'm, I still don't Star Wars. Attack of the Clones is going to be what we talk about next week, Tuesday. Now let's get into some, oh, almost forgot, almost forgot before I stopped being a Jedi for just a moment. Um, I did get some feedback as well from James and he says, I am immensely excited that you are taking the path of the Jedi, young Padawan. However, perhaps you will be persuaded to the dark side of the force by the Sith. <laughs> I do have a question concerning the Phantom Menace. No, I'm lying as Sith do. I have two questions. Number one, who do you believe is the Phantom Menace? What I got out of it uh, from what I saw is that the menace in this whole thing was was Darth Maul. So I would think the Phantom Menace, the person behind Darth Maul, and he has not been, he or she has not been uh, exposed to me just yet. That's what I think, I think now. Again, and I, I didn't give this, I glossed over Darth Maul, his death, that had to be, to me, one of the most gratifying and almost hilarious deaths that I've seen. This dude got cut in half. But before Darth Maul got, got done, he put up one hell of a fight. You're fighting two Jedi, and it's just him. Even though he has this like uh, crazy double-edged lightsaber, double-sided lightsaber, man, dude put up one hell of a fight. One hell of a fight. So if the way that he was scrapping, he kind of got caught off guard. Guard, And that's another question that I have. It's like, uh, I mean, if, if Obi-Wan could do these gravity-defying leaps, it would have been nice to see him do it a whole lot sooner. Um so I'm not sure how the force works, but you got two people, the force is on their side and you got one person and the force is he, he's against the force, I, I'm guessing. So if he's against the force and they're, they got the force with him, with them, shit, I might do join the dark side because he was putting them things on them. It wasn't until you know, that crazy jump that Obi-Wan Kenobi did, that's the only way that he was killed. He had already killed the master of the two? Please, Darth Maul was some, he was giving them the business. What are my overall thoughts about Qui-Gon Jinn? Okay, one thing that I know uh, about Star Wars is like, it's pretty much a big religious war. And what I thought about Qui-Gon Jinn was a person who knew his place in this quote-unquote religion, the Force, uh, worshiping the Force, or I don't know if you'd call it worshiping. I'm pretty sure you'll explain it to me a little bit better. But so if if he is governed by the Force and he knows that Yoda and the Samuel L. Jackson character are appointed above him, 
but he still manipulates them into training Anakin. I mean, I like Qui-Gon, but I'm I'm saying he is uh he's manipulative. What he had was uh convictions. He was conviction he had convictions, which made him do whatever he could do to get this kid trained and be in good standing with Yoda and Samuel L. Jackson's character, who I still don't know the name of. Pretty sure you're gonna tell me that too. So I don't know if I'm right or wrong about how I felt about Qui-Gon, but that's what I read off of him. And as far as the Phantom Menace, well, it could be Anakin. Because of what I know that I shouldn't know, because if I wouldn't have read that little piece, then I wouldn't know it. But it could be Anakin. Because the Phantom Menace, in my opinion, for right now, one movie in, is whoever sent Darth Maul. And I don't know who that is. Okay, so you let me know if I'm right. Anybody else who wants to send feedback in and put me on the right path to, towards being a Jedi, or if you think I'd be better as a Sith, uh, let me know why, how. You can do that at afterthesnap at gmail.com or on one of a million other ways that you can reach me. So we'll talk more about that on the back end of the episode. Let's right now get into some X-Men stuff. All right, the X-Men film series is a successful film franchise. Cumulatively, it was budgeted budgeted for 11 films at $1.47 billion. The combined box office earnings were $5.78 billion. So, reasonable success. In fact, it's the seventh highest grossing film franchise ever. Uh, the conclusion of the film series, as uh, started by Fox, is set to be Dark Phoenix in June and New Mutants in sometime in 2020. Like we talked about in a previous episode, it's talking about April something 2020. Who the fuck knows? I, I don't know. But New Mutants been on the table for a very long time. Uh, so what we're getting, we're getting first though is Dark Phoenix. So because I anticipate covering the Wolverine and Deadpool films at a later date, we're just going to discuss the six remaining X-Men films. We will not talk about Logan and all of that just just yet. For this, we of course need to get in the Wayback Machine because this predates the MCU by eight years. So we got to go back. We got to go back. X-Men in the year 2000. It had a runtime of 104 minutes. It was released July 14th. The budget for X-Men was 75 million bucks. Box office earnings were 296 million dollars. So we can say that X-Men was a rousing success. We didn't know what to expect because this was the first time we were going to see this many characters in one superhero movie with the budget to to really do some things you know in 2000 yeah uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen headlined a stellar cast 
It was directed by the beleaguered Brian Singer, even though James Cameron expressed interest in directing. I don't know how we got Brian Singer when James Cameron was uh, within reach, but I digress. Russell Crowe was first choice for Wolverine, but he turned it down and recommended his friend Hugh. Brian Singer said, nah, never heard of him, and cast DuGray Scott. Eventually, Scott backed out due to scheduling conflicts and motorbike accidents and all kinds of reasons to go back and snatch up this Hugh Jackman character. And the rest is history. Speaking of Jackson, no, not Jackson, Jackman, but I'm now I'm talking about Jackson. Janet Jackson, Mariah Carey, and Angela Bassett were all considered for Storm. Angela Bassett cost too much. She was too expensive. So they went and got Holly Berry. Now, imagine a world where Holly Berry was not the most sought-after African-American actress on the market. That was just nuts. Angela Bassett was the woman in, in 2000. Uh, the original X-Men movie really, really intrigued me. Uh, I definitely remember looking forward to his premiere and introducing these characters to my son. And because there were so many characters uh, introduced, I was caught up in the excitement of seeing them brought to life. Like the special effects were edgy at the time. The action was jaw dropping and the story was entertaining and thought provoking. And I'm pretty sure that 27 year old Tasha would have given this movie five out of five stars. So, 27-year-old Tasha, do you agree? I'm not supposed to be talking to her, but she nodded her head. I really hope this doesn't fuck up the rest of my timeline. But anyway, 27-year-old Tasha agrees. Peace out. See you in 20 years. All right. So, I liked the original X-Men movie. I thought it was, like, the best thing since sliced bread in the year 2000 because we had not even heard or thought of an MCU just yet. Even if there was an MCU, I think that original X-Men held up well. It aged pretty good. I think I can watch it now and won't be like, what the fuck? So I think it holds up and I think it still would have done well or as the decades moved on, we would have to improve the special effects and bring it up to par with movies that are brought out now. But if you brought that movie out right now, I think it'll still do well. And that's saying a lot for that original X-Men movie. Moving along, we're going to go to X2, X-Men United. It was released May 2nd, 2003. Had a runtime of 133 minutes. The budget was 125 million bucks. Box office gave back 407.7 million dollars. Oh, that first movie had an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. This one had an 85%. So three years later, it's getting the, the the way back machine. Even though we're moving forward, I gotta come up with a better name for our way back machine for this for this show, huh? We're going to move forward in time, though. Three years. Yeah. From from 2000, get out of here, 27-year-old Tosh. From 2000 <laughs> to 
2001, 2002, 2003. Three years later, we still had no clue that we were five years away from Iron Man. That means X-Men was the IT franchise and I was dragging my son and nephew to the movies again. The sequel was huge. This this sequel was huge. At least that's what 30-year-old me thought. I'm not going to talk to her. She's sitting over there watching the movie. And oh my God, it was even better than the first one. Well, at least that's what I was thinking then. I was fanning myself. Oh, this is such a good movie. This story drew me in. Uh, the subterfuge, never knowing who you're really dealing with, uh, what's really happening and what's really not happening. It, it just left me on the edge of my seat. And Magneto, man, Magneto is my man. They played up the, uh, they played up the Martin Luther King, Malcolm X thing a lot in the first movie. And if you are unsure what the heck I'm talking about, I have an episode about how Martin is Xavier or Martin and Xavier. I think that's the name of the episode, but just to break it down really quick, what the episode was about, there have been parallels made about uh, the character of Professor Xavier in X-Men being likened to Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King kind of wanted to do things to take a peaceful route non-violent way of protesting the way that African-Americans were treated, basically fighting for our civil rights, because I am an African-American woman, uh, fighting for our civil rights, but at the same time, being doing it in a non-violent manner. And even when treated violently, responding with non-violence. So that was Martin Luther King's credo and uh, for for the most part, it worked. Then you had Malcolm X, who was a civil rights leader at pretty much the same time of uh, Martin Luther King, except for he preached by any means necessary. And as a matter of fact, you meet them the way they, they, they deal with you. If they deal with you with violence, you meet them back with violence. If they want to sit down and talk to you, you sit down and talk to them. But we need to, to get our equality by any means necessary if that means going out and taking your equality then damn it that's what you do because you should not have to fight for what was god given to you and that is magneto as well that's exactly his credo he it's like you're a mutant you know you're strong you're strong you could really wipe these people out. And as a matter of fact, if they come at you with violence, you meet them back with violence. And that was Magneto's creed. And when you look at both sides of these, the coins with these two leaders of these two groups of, uh, of mutants, it's kind of hard to say who is wrong. Now I, I don't advocate for killing anybody, but if they're killing you, <laughs> I mean, you can't walk, you can't tiptoe around people that's, that's holding a gun to your head. So that I can understand. And this, so I'm going to sound horrifyingly violent when I say that there was a scene when Rogue, I guess she had put iron in this guard's 
blood somehow. And he uh, he was the person who was feeding Magneto. So he was going to this this plastic prison that they had Magneto holding him in because you can't hold him in anything uh, with with any type of metal. So they're holding him in a plastic prison and he couldn't get out. He was just trapped in there. And this guard has uh, an insane amount of iron running through his veins and Magneto could sense it. And oh my God, that's how he killed this guard. <laughs> and I have never, I was like, oh my God, that is genius. He killed this man with his own blood. Gee, oh goodness. And then he turned the blood into pellets and he used the pellets to break through the plastic prison. And they must have had to pick me up off of the sticky ass AMC floor. <laughs> Because that was dope to me. It was just, and I don't know, my son is looking at me like, what you told us to never hit people. Look, damn it. <laughs> Magneto, he didn't, he didn't need to be locked up in this prison. Not right now. Not with what's going on in the world. Because what's going on in the world needs Magneto. But anyway. Yeah, it was, it was just good. Um, it's just fucking amazing what they did with that scene and and it's that's the scene that's the scene that sticks with me all these years later but um i had issues with the parents who weren't accepting of their mutant child and i could detect the underlying message uh concerning parents with lgbtq children and this again of course we would get that message today and people would get all up in arms and talk about social justice warriors. Woo, woo, woo. Well, they were having these same types of messages in the movies way back in the way back. All the way back in 19, I'm sorry, not 19, in 2003. So, there. Okay. <laughs> uh, 30-year-old me definitely didn't believe in giving five out of five to anything. Nothing was perfect and still isn't. But 30-year-old me was, like, very judgmental. So I'm sure, because I'm not asking her, I'm sure she would have found a reason to give that movie a four. And she did. So, uh, again, four is a good movie. And I, I can remember the kids enjoying it, even though I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, my son was old enough. In 2003, Quintel was nine. So he may not have been old enough. But, uh yeah, <laughs> my my nephew definitely wasn't old enough, but he went. <laughs> I remember he he was there. So me and him and I think even my sister was there. I'm almost sure. But anyway, that's just me getting back in the way back machine. Let's get back in the machine and move up three more years because every three years we got an X-Men movie, right? So 2004, 2005. 2006 X-Men The Last Stand and damn I'm getting old uh we were it was released May 26 2006 it was it had a runtime of 104 minutes a budget of 210 million dollars you see how them budgets kind of kept going up the box office 
gave back $459.4 million. And on Rotten Tomatoes, get this, a 58%. 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it was 33-year-old Tosh sitting in the seat. 33-year-old Tosh and, and her son and her nephew. And I had another nephew. Yeah, yeah, I had another nephew by that time. <laughs> so I had another nephew by that time, but he was too little. He didn't come. Okay, so Cyclops is killed. Whole lot of shit. Just Gene Gray, Phoenix is killed. What the fuck? Magneto, no powers, or does he? Uh, Rogue took the mutant cure. Professor X, dead. What the entire fuck? That is not what I expected when I came to this fucking movie. 33-year-old me was a mess. 33-year-old me was just broken up and distraught. And I'm sure she gave this movie... A three out of five. And then she had to explain to her 12-year-old son and her nine-year-old nephew the fuck happened to these characters. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. On Friday, we're going to talk about the last three movies. Because <laughs> 33-year-old Tasha is just... I'm seeing her. The kids are all upset. They spilled popcorn and pop all on themselves when they watched all their characters get killed. I guess I kind of can understand how a parent might feel right now after taking their child to see Avengers Endgame and watching some of their favorites bite the dust. But boom. Anyway, yeah, that about wraps up my movies for this week uh what i what i got into this week what i decided to present to you all because boy we're heading into dark phoenix very soon i think i'm gonna watch these movies instead of just talking about them because i was just checking and i can get i got the movies right there but i like to just stay in my room and stay in the bed and watch some some things so i'm just gonna stay in the bed on my one off day and I'm going to watch my Star Wars movie. And I'm going to watch probably, maybe, who knows, the whole X-Men trilogy, the last part. I don't know. I don't know. I get one off day because everybody quit my job except for me. And I might be the biggest idiot in the world, but I still go. But that's neither here nor there. I would like to thank you for joining me for another episode of after the snap an all over the place episode at that um so hey if you got anything you want to add to the x-men conversation or the star wars conversation or any conversation do me a solid go to mcu after the snap.com that's my new web page you can look at some of the old episodes. You can look at some of my couple blog posts that I have up. Importantly, you can leave a comment, feedback for the show. And the next important thing is there's a survey on that website, mcuafterthesnap.com, where you can take a survey to help the show because it's 
basically it's going to tell me what you like what you don't like and what i can do better to improve the show and we all be happy yay so if you can if you get an opportunity please take that survey for me okay if you don't want to go to mcu after snap.com that's fine you can still catch me on any of my social medias at facebook after the snap twitter at snap after instagram after the snap 2018 you can also donate to the show in a lot of different places now <laughs> and some of them will be down below in the description box i'm saying down below like i'm on youtube that box can be any goddamn where wherever you see a bunch of words under this podcast over to this podcast to the left or the right if you see some words read those read those words and they will tell you where you can donate biggest place is patreon.com slash after the snap there are little rewards uh associated with each tier of donation so the, uh, the tiers start at one buck per month go all the way up to 20 bucks per month i'm also going to start doing a members only monthly episode that will be on patreon so the only way that you'll be able to unlock this con- these conversations will be with patreon don't know how many people are interested in knowing more about what the hell i do that kind of stuff will be on patreon and i'll do it at least once a month i don't really have a whole bunch else please remember to head over to mcuafterthesnap.com take the survey for me take the survey for me i would appreciate it then join me again come back here Hang out with me again on Friday as we discuss the last three movies of uh, the X-Men, X-Men franchise and God, whatever else comes to our mind, huh? I promise you, if there's something really important, I'll give you news. It's, I'll give you news on Friday if there's something really big. And of course, you know, we keep our ear to the ground. So if anything groundbreaking happens within the next few days, there will be a bonus episode. Uh, I'm not going to overly ramble today. I appreciate everybody for joining me on just on this episode of After the Snap. And I'll catch everyone on the flip.